Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. You can tune in to... Um, there's a chat room, um, golden chat room, and share. You can follow us on Facebook. This Facebook page is the Zero Network. Go there, like that page, and you can see all archive shows that we've been able to secure on that page. Also, you can follow us on all our social media. Uh, we are on Twitter. The show handle is at Zero Radio, and my handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal. On Twitter, um, send an email to PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. And um, wherever we are, we are here. We're glad to be here. We're glad that you are here listening. And um, if you'd like to get on, since we do this live, sometimes we sometimes we do it as a podcast. Sometimes we're doing it live. Today happens to be one of those days that we're doing it live. And we invite you to join in by uh, by phone, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, your insights, your dialogue on the air. You get also, again, the chat room is available, or you can just shoot us an email, um, however you want to do it. Also, go visit my page, LorenzoTNeal.com. You can please like that page, follow it, and um, you see uh, all the things that we offer with audio sermons that you can listen and download. Um, the book that's still available, uh, Breaching the Family, is still available. Go purchase your copy there. Uh, or if you don't want to get it on there, you can get it at Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, anywhere online, both as ebook and as a, a paperback. Uh, we have some more projects that's coming out soon, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but but uh, it's 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 <laughs> it is <laughs> uh, since I've since I've completed my doctorate, uh, I tell you, writing has been one of the toughest challenges. You know, when you write a uh, dissertation and 
then you have to defend that dissertation. Man, it's draining. It's draining. But as an academic now, my goal is to publish, publish, publish more. So you'll be hearing more from us as time goes by. Just keep us in your prayers. And speaking of prayers, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your loving kindness. Bless this broadcast. Bless all who are here, who will download, who will be in contact in any manner. We honor you for this is your day that you have made. We choose to rejoice in it. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God, a rock and redeemer. Amen. So today I want to talk about Christian trolling on social media <laughs> and uh, the plight of Christian hate. But uh, before we go any further, I want to con- uh, uh, extend continued prayers to those in the Carolinas who are uh, still victimized by the residuals of Hurricane Florence. Uh, you know that there's a lot going on there, and um, if I understand the the death toll resulting from uh, the the storm is nearly 40 persons. I I'm not sure. I haven't validated. That's the last that I heard. Um, so continue to pray for them. Um, give and donate if you can um, to Red Cross. Um, to in our church we have the disaster relief the Amy Church you can do that uh, through every any uh, organization credible organization that is helping persons please please the Baptist missions I know they're one that is, uh, is I'm been on the ground and several other ministry organizations I'm quite sure Franklin Graham's Samaritan's Purse will be on the grounds or already on the grounds helping. But there are many organizations, uh, credible organizations, that you can donate to to make sure that those people are helped and uh, recovering from a storm. I know what it's like to have to evacuate from a storm, and I know what it's like to to almost lose stuff, but definitely lose food at the very least. <laughs> I, um, I've been fortunate in all the hurricanes that I've been experiencing. I've had to Unpleasure of experiencing, uh, uh, we we were all safe. But oh, speaking of this, you know, Pat Robertson, I used to have great, I used to have great admiration for Pat Robertson. I used to actually want to be on the Seven Hundred Club and <laughs> tell my story and all that stuff. But it seems that the older he gets, uh, the more, the weirder he gets. Um, he recently, and you can find this article in the Christian Post. Um, he 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 believes, and he's he's been perpetuating that belief that because he prayed, Hurricane Florence did not, because of his ministry played prayed Hurricane Florence did not uh, invade their area. By the by the time he got to Virginia area, it was weakened. Um, I would usually I would go along with that. I I really would. I that was a time that I would have. Amened him, and I would have been like, "Yeah, Lord, Hallelujah, glory to God," because I prayed. I'm, I'm learning, you know, causation doesn't need, does not equal correlation. Neither does correlation equal causation. And so, um, we can't say because this happened, uh, that happened. Uh, not, not when it comes to that. Now, that does not mean that God is not in control, and that not does not mean we should not pray. But to take credit for our, to, our, to say our prayers, to take credit for a, a natural event, um, and, and before I stick my foot in my mouth, I am a proponent of prayer. 
I I do believe prayer changes things. I I, I do do I do believe that, and, and I I I have dare I would dare say I have used this argument when persons in my church I prayed for them and sickness left their bodies or something like that. And, and even in my own case, just recently, where I prayed and uh, the Lord <laughs> the Lord did something phenomenal on my behalf, uh, but I was not too quick to to attribute it to my prayers uh, per se. I just know that I cried out to the Lord, like the, like the psalmist said, I cried to the Lord and he heard my cry, pitied every groan. That's what the, that's what the psalm writer said, songwriter said. Um, but, 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 you know, to, to, to be that prideful and take credit for it, you know, we can't just say because we prayed. Well, what about the others who prayed and, they 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 still were flooded. Their homes were still flooded. What about the churches that play that prayed that the storm would turn around and it didn't? What about those who prayed? You know, you were praying for Florence, but what about the hurricane that happened on the in the Pacific that uh, that was basically a um, not just a, a tsunami but a, a combination of things and hundreds of lives were lost. That that's the problem I have with that. I mean, we can't just say, well, because it didn't affect my ministry area, my area, that God answered my prayer. But hundreds in the West, you know, in the Pacific Islanders were killed or lost, you know, or hundreds lost a lot of things. Uh, mine is saying because. Because I'm safe, my stuff safe, my people safe, and God answered my prayers, you know, and it was my prayers that saved Virginia. Uh, that's that's foolish. But I'm sure there are a lot of people who actually believe that. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But continue to pray. Continue to pray for uh, for those persons who are in the process of recovering from Hurricane Florence, and the season isn't over yet. There's still plenty more. You know, it can be a number of storms that can that come. Uh, it's still uh, unseasonably warm in uh, in the Gulf area, and so it, it could. There's another one that could stir up, and I hope it doesn't. You know, this was relatively calm compared to last year with uh, those two hurricanes that struck Florida. Uh, Florida and uh, Puerto Rico and Houston. Uh, so we 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 should be grateful, but we should also be alert. Yeah, we should also be alert while we're grateful. Anyway, uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, so I I want to. I'm back at my church for another year. We just finished our annual conference. And um, so the last couple of weeks, I wasn't able to do anything. We were in D.C., Washington, D.C., uh, September 4th through 6th for the AME Church called the Conscience uh, Summit and Rally. And I was excited to be there. I was glad to be a part of that event. Uh, we, we estimated we had between 2,000 3,000 persons there for the rally. We had several hundred on the day prior to the rally for the summit and the presenters for the summit, young adults did a great job 
informing us about the prophetic voice of the church that needs to be heard, particularly the prophetic voice of the black church. And and I know people still don't want to distinguish between the black and white church, but they're very it's very, very there are some very clear distinctions and although we are one body in Christ, we are mem- many members and uh each member has his own function and I believe one of the functions of the black church, not as a monolithic uh as a as a church that has been uh historically and systematic systematically oppressed uh outside of our religious experience. I think it's pertinent to us to have that prophetic voice and uh, more so now in the midst of, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more uh, in the midst of this very, very volatile political and dare I say, religious atmosphere It's very critical that the, the black church find some way of becoming that monolithic voice of conscience to our country. Now, I'm not talking about polity, and I'm not talking about policy, political policy. I'm talking about a prophetic voice that stems from our historic and systemic oppression outside of our religious experience. And I'm not talking about because, you know, we could go way back to the days that we were worshiping out in the brush harbors on the plantations as sharecroppers or however you want to put it. Uh, when when those moments where we could gather and shout and sing and do the spirituals and do the hymns that uh, now we know as Dr. Watts, um, all those things uh, that empowered late night, early into the morning before we went back to the field or where we went to work. Um, the, the church was experiential moment a liberation, and the more we became organized, and the more prosperous we became, we became, and the more our influence, our sphere of influence, reached outside of the walls of the church into the political, the educational, and socioeconomic uh, specters of our of our existence. We 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 lost that prophetic voice, and um, we're seeing that we're seeing it now pockets of it you know we have pockets of the black church that will speak out against abortion uh like reverend jasper williams did uh there are pockets of the black church that will speak out against the systemic injustice in our criminal justice system uh like jamal bryant and many others i could call and there are pockets of the church that will speak against the the um regurgitation of Oppression through through the um, uh, economic system, like Reverend Barber and the Poor People's Campaign, uh, Poor People's Movement, and there are those who will speak out against the church itself, uh, losing its prophetic voice. And that would be the late James Cone um, when he spoke about black liberation theology and the shifting that it had to occur for us to understand who we were and what our voice means as black church preachers. 
and I can go on. I can I can name a few more. Uh, Pastor Ebenezer down in Atlanta, where Dr. King Sr. and Jr. both pastored. Um, uh, uh, he has a new book in uh, the Divided uh, Mind of the Church. I think that's I can't I can't say it. anyway. But we uh, and Dr. Freddie Haynes out of Friendship West Baptist Church uh, there in Dallas. And, and and again, I could go on. I I could call call the role of those persons who that that where their pockets are there, their voices are there, but they are not amplified in a in a manner that can really, really, really bring it out. And uh, I think that shift is happening. A shift is happening where where we're beginning to see we are many voices, but one prophetic voice. We have. One prophetic voice. I believe that's that's the key to changing how we both worship and how we live and engage uh, the world we in. As the words of Charles Wesley wrote in his hymn, A Charge to Keep I Have, to serve this present age, my calling to fulfill, oh, may it all my powers, and I would insert the word voices, engage. To do my master's will So I'm I'm excited to be a part Of this movement I'm excited to be alive In this in this moment Because I think we are in a very Very uh, Great moment Where we can see Shifting happen And I'm not just talking about shifting As in um, You know stuff Um Um I'm not talking about shifting as in as in what they say the wealth of the righteous or the wicked comes to the to the righteous or something like that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of shift. I'm talking about a shift where our voice, our prophetic voice as a church, is both seen, is both heard and seen and felt. I believe we're in that time where it can happen, and I am excited to be a part of. It. That time. So, uh, speaking of that, let's just go ahead and get into. So, um, today, I want to talk about Christian haters. And I'm not talking about those who antagonize Christians. I'm talking about Christians hating Christians, Christians trolling Christians. <laughs> uh, the, 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 I've had interesting experiences. Being online and making comments, uh, I I I didn't know. I, I'm be honest with you, I I didn't fully understand what trolling was until it happened to me. And there are persons, and I I don't know, you know, the one the crazy thing about this this social media thing is that you can be anonymous, or you could be your, you know, you can have your name, but you can you can attack all you can you can go you can be fierce in your attack and not feel bad about it. Um, and I, I've been I've had persons you know I, I was scrolling through some of my Facebook memories and and I, I was looking on the conversation I posted a I made a post about a particular subject a particular topic thought nothing of it. I I had no idea that I was setting up <laughs> setting off 
a bomb. I, I did realize I didn't did not realize that I had lit a fuse. And so some of the comments, some of the comments that I, I you know, and, and this was some time ago, it's not recently, but uh, the effect is just the same. If <laughs> reading through it, I was like, oh my god. Um. So I did not realize that what I posted would trigger so much reaction, both emotional and uh, somewhat rational and somewhat unrational reactions and comments. But I'm coming, I'm learning and, and I'm discovering is that this happens more frequently than I, I thought it did. There are a lot of Christians and believers attacking other Christian believers either for what they believe or what they what they <laughs> what they comment or post or anything like that. And um I just happened to come across a post, uh, an article by the Christian Post that's uh written by Zaman Zamal Zemi uh I can't say it. Stoyan Z anyway <laughs> The title of the article is Time to Admit We Just Hate One Another. Pastor tells Democrats, Republicans, Calvinists, Arminians. And um, in the article, a Baptist pastor said that America is divided by politics and theology and um, that they just simply need to admit that they hate one another. Isn't that something? I never would in, never would have guessed or imagine in all of my years of ministry that Christians hate each other. <laughs> of course, I'm being a bit facetious. I, <laughs> you know, I grew up in the days of hip hop when there were beefs. I remember I was in college with the beef between Biggie and Tupac was going on, and that led eventually to their deaths. I re- I was in college when there was the West Coast East Coast rap beef. <laughs> So I, I mean, I, I knew about those things. I, uh, I remember growing up, hearing preachers preach against each other from the pulpit, and I also remember growing up and even while in ministry, hearing preachers preach against members from the pulpit. So I will say, I, I will not say that it's is not, <laughs> but I believe it's just heightened. Because of social media, social media and the freedom that it allows for us to have, and I read a lot of comments on, particularly Ann Brock's, uh, Ann Brock's uh, page, the old black church. I read a lot of comments from some of the stories that she, articles that she posts, and you know, I'm fascinated because you know you can post anonymous, and some of the comments are just. I'm like, man, where is the love? I can, I, I, I have no problem with people disagreeing with me, and uh, I, I'm not as emotional reactive. Uh, at least I don't believe I am. I, I could be very much wrong about that. Uh, it takes a lot for me to get to that point. Uh, but you know, I've had, I've been in heated arguments before. <laughs> I've been in a lot of debates. Both as a spectator and as a debater, and I remember uh, when I was in one debate uh, where um, we were 
uh, I was given an opposed view, uh, a view that I really opposed, but I had to I had to argue it as if I supported it. And the person who was on the opposite team uh, did the had the exact opposite. I believe they had something, and they uh, they they did they did. Uh, I I didn't agree with it, but I had to you know I had to present the argument for, and they had to present the argument against. And they literally, I mean, I thought I had solid facts, and and we were going for facts. Before you know it, it went to emotion, and that emotion was driving passionately their their argument. And I was like, oh my god, is she? You know, is this person getting mad? <laughs> and they, I mean, they were really passionate, and the, and the face started to turn red. Of course, you know. Uh, so it was not a person, <laughs> a non-related person. It wasn't a person of color. And the face started turning red, and they became more passionate about the argument. And I was like, oh, my God, it ain't that serious. Now, I lost because I, 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 I wasn't – I had good facts, but, you know, it, my delivery sucked. I, 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 I could present the facts, but I couldn't. The deliver the pace that needed and the passion that was needed, but this person did. And afterwards, a uh, person came to me and was like, "Man, you really passionate." I I started to believe what you that you believed, and I said, "Really? I couldn't tell. <laughs> couldn't tell." But the article the article says that we have become, as a country, and as a religious body. Um, that we have become so antagonistic towards each other um, that there is little room for any uh, centrality. There's no room for a, a neutral argument or a central. Uh, you can't be moderate. Uh, you're either for or against. You're either pro or con. You know, it, it's just that bad, and and it. it is not just in the political spectrum. In this age of uh, President Trump, we've gotten to the point where there are some about 35% of voters who voted for uh, President Trump are going to they're they're his base. He can do no wrong, and even if he does wrong, there's a justification for it. To blame the other side for causing him to do wrong or bringing it up to begin with, and to to see that play out the way it's playing out is crazy. And and to like right now with the Kavanaugh, uh, the uh, nominee for the Supreme Court, there's a there's a division. Uh, <laughs> even just because he was nominated. There were persons who had already decided it doesn't matter who President Trump nominates, we're just going to be against him. And it was the same way when President Obama was in office and uh, his nominee came up. There were persons in Congress who said it doesn't matter who you nominate, we're going to be against him. And even after the um, what's his name died, the Supreme Court Justice died, uh, Scali, y'all know who I'm talking about. Scalia, when he died, and it took, uh, they waited almost, uh, they waited several months before they even allowed the nominee name to come out, and then 
they decided that they weren't going to do it just because, you know, it's close to an election, so we're not going to do it. We'll wait till after the election. And now those same persons are trying to rush. <laughs> They're trying to rush through a confirmation. And now that this issue has come up about uh, a possible, an alleged um, uh, issue of, of, of concern, um, what they call it, sexual offense of uh, some kind. There are those who are adamantly supporting the nominee just because they want him on the Supreme Court with the hopes that he will overturn Roe versus Wade. That's all they're concerned about. You know, that's all they're concerned. Matter of fact, that's why a lot of these uh, Christian evangelicals, evangelical Christians voted for Trump because they realized Trump would be able to put people on the Supreme Court. And the only thing they were concerned about is overturning Roe versus Wade and maybe even overturning uh, the decision about same-sex marriage. That's it. And now they're getting what they wanted. They're going to have at least another appointment appointing on the Supreme Court, which would uh, put the balance back to where it was or even place more balance on the conservative side. And there's a possibility that Trump may have another person. You know, you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is close to retiring, or if she doesn't die in office, I'm not speaking that, please don't take it the wrong way, but should she retire and Trump is still president, there's another person. Um, which could slant the church, slant the court toward a more e- an even more conservative bias or slant or opinion or however you want to call it. But the thing about it is, there are persons who have already drawn the line in the sand and said it doesn't matter. This is what we believe and this is what we're standing by. And then when you look at it from the um, the other side, the religious side, this this author says that there uh, not only is there a difference politically, but there's a difference theologically and doctrinally where some are Arminian or Calvinist. And um, now I know those Baptist brothers, uh, as Methodists, we already know where we are. <laughs> <laughs> we have Wesleyan theology that's based on Arminian theology, but in in others, you know, more Baptist that, that I, I've seen and I saw myself when I was when I was Baptist, starting to shift more towards a reform perspective, um, which is not quite Calvinistic, but not too far from it. Um, and you and, and and there's that balance within that, and then you have the, the entire framework of all of this within. The construct of how we engage each other within uh, socially, and so he says, uh, <laughs> uh, he, socially, like, do you like Nike? Do you burn them? Uh, <laughs> that, that's the latest controversy. Um, he said this: Americans are divided on both, both on things that matter as well as thing as trifling nonsense. In our day and age, it doesn't matter much. Pick a side. Be outraged by something. And he argued that in truth, what this all means is that we hate one another. And and I I I I I why am I stuttering like that? I I was thinking, how true is that? And 
how how I mean historically can we find support for this this phenomena in, in scripture? Can we find antagonists and trolls in scripture? And, and believe it or not, I found it. I found, of course, you know, in in the in the New Testament in the Gospels we find the antagonist to Jesus's ministry and John the Baptist's ministry being those persons who were um, the religious establishment, the chief priests being the, the top, the Pharisees being and Sadducees, those the learned persons, they were the antagonists to Jesus's ministry, and Jesus would troll them. Uh, he called them hypocrites. You know, they would say something, and he'd come back, and the scripture said, I know what you're thinking. But you're wrong about what you're thinking because this is what it really is. This is what I'm really talking about. This is what you really – and when you read it from that perspective, <laughs> you see Jesus was kind of – you know, he was kind of badass when it comes to – excuse that. But, I mean, he was – he didn't hold back punches. He really was he, – he didn't mind confrontation. And – he did not mind addressing them for who they were. They were trolling him. They were watching him. They were watching with his disciples, you know, doing the small things. And they would call him out, you know, they'd make a post. If we can put it in a modern vernacular within this construct of social media, they'd make a post about it. Jesus would counter with a comment like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, hey. Jesus was really, Jesus was very, very combative. If that's probably not the best word, he he understood his antagonist. He also understood his purpose. He he understood that he came into the world to do this, and he had seen from the ministry of John the Baptist, having having seen his ministry, and saw how it affected. The establishment with Herod, and eventually led to John the Baptist's death. Uh, so he he understood. He took it to a different different way. He didn't go to Herod and those persons, uh, uh, the king, but instead he went to the institutional uh, religious institution. He directly confronted them. He trolled them. He would even stand over and watch what people were giving. Yeah, so taking this to a, a different level, I honestly believe, I honestly believe that, uh, you know, when they say history repeats itself, I believe we're in that cycle where we have amplified this repeating of history <laughs> when it comes to that. The pastor quotes uh, Proverbs, is it Proverbs 10? Uh uh, yeah, Proverbs 10, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers multitude of faults, uh, all sins, all wrongs. And we find that later recanted in Paul's writings, you know, love covers a multitude of sins, or in the New Testament writing, we find that scripture. And speaking of which, Paul had, Paul did the same thing. Paul had trolls, and Paul trolled in his letters. 
if I, when I was going back and I was reading some of the letters, particularly Corinthians, how he responding, how he is responding, especially in Second um, Corinthians, where he's talking about all that he's a, a been through, experience in First Corinthians eleven, uh, where he has to justify himself as an apostle, and in Galatians, of course, that the ever so familiar scripture about he confronting Peter, Peter and calling Peter a hypocrite. Oh, man. That's something. And to know, to know, <laughs> when I went through, when I went back through and I was reading it, and I was like, that is no, not much different between what happened between Jesus, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the high priest, Paul, and his opponents, those who opposed him, and those he opposed directly, because he had some folk that he opposed, and he hated on some people too. And he, he well, there was a, <laughs> uh, you know, he talked about he was former blasphemer, he was a former persecutor, he was an insolent man. I, I think that's what he wrote in the, I want to say it's First Timothy, somewhere in there, First Timothy one, somewhere in there, but. But Paul, <laughs> Paul in particular, when he was writing, um, he talks about how much he had experienced suffering and affliction, and he talks about those who antagonized, um, who antagonized him, and those who who were trying to silence his message. He went so far in the letter Philippians saying that they were people preaching just to make him look bad. And so when you uh, again, this is just putting it within the construct of of, of 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 Christians hating Christians. Why is that the case? Why do we why have we become or why have why has it resurged in this time? Um, why have we stirred up hatred so much to the point that that at Thanksgiving you two things you can't talk about is politics and religion or the Saints and the Cowboys here in Mississippi <laughs> uh, or the Saints and the Falcons. <laughs> That's two things you don't talk about when it comes to sports. Don't talk about the Cowboys and the Saints because uh, that'll start a fight. If you're a Cowboys fan and you're a Saints fan, and when they play each other, that's that's that, that hey, no, don't do, don't you do that. Or back in my state, of Louisiana, if you're a Gremlin night or a Southern night, and it's around Bayou Classic time, don't you trash talk, don't you, don't you, my boy. <laughs> um, that's just, um, but. The thing about it is, we have we're seeing an atmosphere where the flames are being stoked to to stir it up to create this dynamic. So much so now it's not as prevalent in the black church as it is in the white church. In the black church, I I, I said it before, it is present. It is present. We cannot deny that it is not present. We do have haters, and we do have people who are trolling other preachers, 
and with some with some good reason, you know, some for good reason. There's some uh, who are being antagonized because their moral character does not reflect um, their outward uh, expression. And so, you know, it's like, and, you know, I, I think we've all been subject to that at one time. Somebody want to call us out for something that either we did not do or we did or we said or, you know, we've, we've been called. I've been, I've been called out and, and justifiably so on some occasions, justifiably so. But I'm talking about when we intentionally stir the pot up. To create mess, and they, yeah, there are plenty of messy folk in the church. Let's, let's just get that straight. There are plenty of messy folk in the church, but it's, it seems to be heightened by the fact that we are uh, are not walking in love or walking in light. Um, we're not displaying the fruit of the spirit. And we and there are those who say, yes, I am displaying the fruit of the spirit by calling them out or by by stating the obvious that they're wrong, and I'm right. My point is valid; theirs is invalid. And when you try to minister in that type of environment, you get nowhere. I think about the story of Jesus going home, and when he went home, and uh, the persons who were there. In the synagogue where he was where he was teaching, says we don't have to recognize you. We know who you are. We know where you came from. We know your mom, your brothers are right there, your sister right there. Who are you to try to tell us and teach us anything differently? And and he said, well, the prophet is without honor except in his own home, and there he couldn't do any big miracles except lay hands on a few folks. And I think the toxic environment is where we are now. So much so, I don't think we're really productive. I really don't think we are productive as a church. Um, I believe that we are creating more disconnection than discourse. And the disconnection does not allow for the discourse of the word to go forward. And don't even bring in the construct of social justice into it, that, you know, that that, are, that aspect of it. Because there's some, just like John MacArthur and those persons who signed uh, the gospel and social justice letter, statement, or whatever it was. The perspective, on it, and I, I, I've said it before, I don't think I've ever said it on, on air. I, I think it's, I think it's noble what they were trying to do. I, I, I want to I want to say the intent was noble, but it still comes across as I just don't want to get involved. We shouldn't be involved. We should be about the Christ. We should be about the gospel, and this is only dividing us as a church. And some would say that's because you got privilege. <laughs> it's not affecting you because you've never been oppressed. You know, you've never had. <laughs> you probably never been burdened. You know, you probably never really struggled spiritually. You know, that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into that argument. Oh, I just got a notification. Police are responding to active shooter in a business building in Wisconsin. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, my Lord. 
I, I hate when I hear things like that. It always, it always, I, I, I can only pray um, for those persons. Because uh, if it's an active shooter, if it's someone, for whatever reason, oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, I, I hate hearing stories like that. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I, I, I do hope that there's no harm and definitely no deaths. And for the person who is involved, I do hope that that they are without fault, without injury. And I hope they don't kill themselves. Uh. <laughs> Let me get back on my little tangent. Let me get off this tangent and get back on it. But uh, if you're listening, even if you're listening um, uh, after, you're not listening live, but you're listening after, just Say a quick prayer. See your thoughts. <laughs> your thoughts and prayers. Uh, whatever you do. Let me get back to this article. Uh, let me get back to this article here. Uh, and Brock, again, on the black church, I mean, uh, old black church. Uh, I saw this post and I thought it would be she has a post about Christian conduct and she says it's sad that Christian conduct is something seldom taught within the four walls of the church and we wonder why so many are out of order we hear over and over again that you gotta live right that you gotta be holy what does it look like what exactly does holiness look like what does that entail what else can you tell me besides don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex outside of marriage? All right. So, oh, okay. I thought it was something else. I just pulled it up. I think the, uh, but I, I can see Christian conduct. When we're talking about the holiness of God, there's a book called Is God a Moral Monster? Um, What's the guy's name? I have it somewhere. But you can look it up. Is God a moral monster? I want to say it's Cavett Cavit or something like that. It's in my library. I just I'm too lazy to reach for it. But if if we if if we are modeling ourselves ourselves after God the Father, in the Old Testament He does come across very harsh. <laughs> he does come across somewhat as a hater, who and an agitator and. And one who would encouraging the decimation of populations and genocide and all of that simply because he didn't like what folk were doing. Uh, one who would recurringly in, in, invoke and dangerous <laughs> captivity because they didn't follow his will. But he also comes across as one who says he's holy, be holy because I'm holy and and love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, uh, which Jesus says is the summation of all of the commandments, all the law and the prophets. And when we look at God's behavior in the New Testament, and we see it in, in both in the person of 
Jesus of Nazareth. And we see how he encourages those to be meek, to be peacemakers. You know, just go through the Beatitudes if you want. You know, go through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are they. And it was seeing, it was seeing that those persons who do so are being are beneficial to the entirety of humanity. And Jesus went so far as to say, you know, later on he said, you know, love those who hate for you, pray for those who must uh, despitefully use you. If you got an enemy and you know some, you know, is antagonizing you, do all you can to ease the antagonism by loving him, turning the other cheek. Y'all, y'all know, giving him your cloak, welcome. If he has one mile, walk two. And I think all of that, it seems as if all of that has gone out of the window when it comes to our current interaction. You can agree or disagree. You know, I don't mind. You know, if you want to make comments, that's fine. You can, again, you know, you can on the, the Zero Network page. I mean, you know, if you listen to the broadcast, you can make your comments there. That's that's fine. I, I appreciate it. You can make your comments, you know, on the Twitter page if you like in response to this. I, that's fine, too. You can make your comments directly to me in email. That's fine, too. I don't – I enjoy dialogue, and I, I don't mind being corrected. I don't mind understanding that I'm wrong. I don't know it all. I had to learn a long time ago, not too long ago. <laughs> How to say I don't know and I am wrong. And uh, just recently, I had a student I had to correct. Uh, you know, I thought I was correct. And I, I was going up to this person. I didn't know. I said, you know, do this, blah, 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 blah. And then later found out some other things. And I said, you know what? I was wrong. I was mistaken about this. You're right. You know, and I had to do that for a student. And if I had to do that for a student in ministry, you know, it's so, it's so I'm, I'm learning to be okay with that. I don't agree with a lot of the things I'm involved with, a lot of the um, social action issues that I'm involved with. There are other agencies and other individuals that have a different worldview, different perspective, and I'm okay with it. I I had to learn that just because we're involved with a similar – we're we're all trying to be agents of change. We're all trying to – make impact to better our world, the approaches are different. And you can think about Malcolm X and you can think about Martin Luther King. They had different approaches to the message. And you can think about W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. You can think about the message. The approach was different. But the message was all about empowerment and liberation. And and I think we have gotten away from that at the church. Uh, we don't have to fight the, – the, go back to the article. Uh, he says, uh, I'm convinced that we truly hate one another. Maybe we hate one another because we've forgotten the gospel. We've forgotten how much Jesus has covered us, and we've forgotten that the cross also means that God is absolutely just. We don't have to fight with ungodly weapons to preserve our cherished position. We are free to love. That's powerful. That, that that is powerful, and and that's the way I that that's the way I approach both my ministry. When when I'm pastoring folk, I don't necessarily like, but I realize that for the broader impact of ministry, I got to get along with them. 
amen, lights. Or with when it comes to particular within, again, the social action issues that I'm involved and engaged with. I'll never forget, I went to a rally one time, and uh, we were we were gathering for a specific thing. I want to say it was around uh, Mississippi State flag. We wanted it. Yeah, that's what it was. We wanted the state flag to come down. We wanted to take it down. And we wanted it to be changed, and we still we still fighting for that. I'm still advocating that Mississippi changes flag. You know, we still have the Confederate symbol embedded into our uh, state flag. And there's some who say there's heritage, and there's some who say is you know what it is, but it's neither here nor there with me. The fact is that you know if it's offending, if it's even the small offense, then we need to do something to it. You know, when they take action. But at that particular rally, persons who were rallying for a union, there were persons who were rallying for LGBT, uh, QIA, whatever else. <laughs> there were persons that were rallying uh, for uh, marijuana legalization. And there were persons, they were holding, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, they come here and the media attention goes to those. The, the, you know, it, it takes attention from what we were doing. It took attention from what we were doing, focuses on all these other things. And there's another, um, several other times that I've been involved with uh, protests and marches and rallies. And there were splinter groups there that were that were there that had other uh, action items they wanted to address. And I'm like, look. You know this ain't this ain't for y'all, and I don't want to be. I I didn't want to be a part. You know I didn't want to be uh, meshed in with that uh, that group or their 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 cause. I didn't want to be tainted like that. And but I can still love them, and I can still hear and dialogue with them. I you know, in the gun violence prevention movement. It expand. It has a broad thing, you know, including trans persons. And uh, and while I don't even agree with that personally, I understand the depth of violence that is being uh, afflicted upon trans persons and gun violence, particularly. It is afflicted upon trans persons, domestic violence. And so, I'm, so yeah, I can get with them. I ain't got to agree with the lifestyle. <laughs> And the same thing, you know, I'm an ally to non-believers uh, because I, I'm learning how difficult it is for persons who, you know, who who stop believing in God, as they say. They stop believing in God. They become agnostic or atheist. And, and they were in the black church and if in the black family, and particularly if they're, they're atheist, they're non-believer and they're homosexual. <laughs> That's a deadly combo. But... <laughs> I can be an ally to them because I see them as humans first and what they're experiencing, the grief and the trauma of what they're having to experience outside of what they've been used to, outside of the church, outside of, you know, have people putting them out because of their, uh, what they begin to identify as. That's, <laughs> you know, that's that's tough. But as a pastor, you know, I was like, I still got to love you. I don't have to agree with you. And you can't be mad at me for not agreeing with you. You shouldn't. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. You know, we've learned how not to. We uh, we we've gotten to the point where we don't even want to agree to disagree. We just disagree, and we there's no common ground 
boom, that's it. That's the end of it. I'm going to hate you and you're going to hate me. And I think we have to bring that to an end. I, I think we are disproportionately creating a disjoint between the church that needs to be corrected. And uh, again, I want to encourage you to read this article. Um, it's on the Christian Post. Uh, time to admit we just hate one another. Um, it's a good article. Um, and read. Um, you can read all about Again, just read about some of the antagonists Paul had. He called them out. And matter of fact, <laughs> in one of his letters, he said, I just wish they would get what they deserve. <laughs> And then if you read in some of the Psalms, it's the same thing. Let my adversaries experience all this, blah, 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 whatever they let it, let them die. Let their children experience the, the death of hate and all this. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in there. Yeah, y'all got to read it. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you read the Bible, man, you read stuff that just blows your mind. And you you wonder, how can I preach this stuff on Sunday morning? <laughs> Oh, boy. But anyway, anyway, um, let us work to be better Christians and not Christians who just take sides just to take sides. Where do I stand? I'm on the Lord's side. Now, what does the Lord's side look like? It looks like whoever he loves and whoever loves him. It's as simple as that. That's what the Lord's side looks like. Whoever he loves and whoever loves him. Because if they love him with all their heart, with all their soul, all their mind, then they love themselves. At least they should love themselves. And they should love their neighbors as themselves. That is the great and first commandment. And the second is just like it. Uh, uh, I appreciate you guys letting me um, get on this topic for a little while. One again, encourage you all uh, tune in. Um, we try to do this every Wednesday as we can, and so you can go to uh, Blog Talk Radio slash Zero today to catch archive shows all the way back to 2010. Like the show, subscribe, follow us. Go to my website, Lorenzo T. Neal. I try to try to update that because I haven't updated it in a while. But um, got some audio servants on there. We got uh, encourage you to purchase a copy of your, my book. Breaching the family. Follow us on all our social media. You can see us on Facebook. You can see us Twitter, all of that. And wherever we are, we pray that you are blessed. But I'm going to get out of here. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Whatever you do, do it all to the honor of God and to edifying of his people. Um, that's about it. We're in the Jackson area. Sure.